0: Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. You know that feeling when you walk into your home, take a deep breath, and feel new?
1: Airbnb. In the past 10 years, they have had few reservations about giving the hotel industry a run for their money.
2: But this company, which started as a way to inflate a couple of guys' rent money, wasn't always the holiday it seems now.
1: In fact, they had multiple failed launches and went from broke to broker in the beginning. But these founders weren't content just to lie in the bed they made. They wanted to jump on it. So
2: let's get away and look at how this company went from the ground floor to the top bunk. It's Airbnb on the brink. So, well, Ariel, mm-hmm. today we're talking about Airbnb. We are. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm a traveler. Yes. I've used Airbnb before. Have you? Uh, once. So we have both used Airbnb. Before this episode, I had not actually really looked into the history of Airbnb because uh, it was just, it was part of the sharing economy. It kind mm-hmm. of, for me, got lumped in. With, with like Uber and Lyft, Lyft and, and, and yes, such. And other things that to some degree or another, tend to get lumped in with the shared economy. So let's talk about where this company came from. Who started Airbnb?
1: Uh, well, it was founded by uh, Brian Chesky and Joe Gebbia, and uh, eventually another gentleman, Nathan Bleckhard.
2: I have no idea um, if that's the right way of pronouncing We are <coughs> butchering his name, but yes. good old Sorry. reliable Nathan.
1: Nathan. Uh, back in 2008, But they actually had the idea like a year earlier. So Airbnb is only about 10 years old as of recording this episode.
2: And the idea came out of necessity. Mm -hmm. So you had Joe and Brian who were living together in an apartment in San Francisco, one of the most expensive places to live on the planet. Yes, yes. And they were struggling to make rent. And uh, I'm sure that is a case that a lot of folks out there can identify with. Yes. So they came up with an idea, sort of, this wasn't even a permanent solution. No. This was literally an opportunity in front of them.
1: Yeah. In September of 2007, Joe emailed Brian, because they were living together, and said, hey, I thought of a way to make a few extra bucks. Let's buy some air mattresses and rent out our little bitty loft to people who are coming in town for a designer's conference because hotels are getting kind of scarce. We can give them breakfast and maybe tour them around the city and um, make a few extra bucks for rent.
2: Yeah. In fact, that was the URL, airbedandbreakfast.com. And how much did it cost to stay on an air mattress in these guys' apartment?
1: With breakfast and maybe touring of the city, don't forget, uh, it cost $80.
2: Not bad for San Francisco, actually. No, not at all. So then they decided to go for one of the events that has become, at least for a while, it was really, really, really important, especially in the tech space. I don't know if I would argue it's just as important today as it was maybe a few years ago, but that would be South by Southwest. And so they decided this was a good spot to give it another shot. And how many people did they manage to land at that auspicious launch? Two customers. And, really, and one of them was a founder. I would say
1: really was kind of only one yeah. customer. Um, but they did get, you know, a little bit of good out of South by Southwest. They connected with the CEO of Justin TV, Michael Siebel, mm-hmm. who kind of became their friend and helped advise them from that point on.
2: Now, they were looking at ways to perhaps attract more people. One of the things they were concerned with was that perhaps they had made the interface a little too complicated. Mm -hmm. And we've seen this over and over with user interfaces where companies keep working to try and simplify that to remove as many steps as possible. Because the fewer steps you have... The more customers you tend to land. I mean, that's why Amazon has that "Buy It With one, one Click" button. So they did a kind of a redesign there. And how many? I like this yeah. too. This I like stat. that you just
1: keep asking me all of this but, trivia about what I've written because
2: because <laughs> you wrote it because you wrote it. So in 2008, how many people per day were uh, were visiting the site? Um.
1: About 50 people a day. and That's not great. It's not great. And out of those 50 people, they're only getting 10 to 20 bookings.
2: Right. So this is clearly a very slow mm-hmm. starter. Yep. And and in fact, I think a lot of people at this point probably would say, we're going to pull up stakes before it gets, we're too deep.
1: Yep. But um, these folks didn't. They took their tool that was not doing well and brought it to 15 investors. And out of those 15, they got eight rejections. Okay. And then the rest just didn't respond to them. Yikes. Yeah, yeah. And all this time, you know, they're trying to keep their business running. They really believe in this idea. Uh, but now they're in debt and they're broke.
2: Yeah. Brian had built up about $25,000 in credit card debt.
1: Yeah, and I've I've read some accounts that said Joe had about the same and other yeah. accounts where they said they only had like 30-can debt, but that's still a lot of debt if you don't have money and you're struggling to make rent.
2: They said that they had binders, like the kind you would collect baseball cards in, except they were filled with credit, credit cards. cards.
1: Yeah, yeah, but they still, they still did not give up. They're like the little engine that could.
2: Um. Yeah, so they decide... To try for another big event. So this particular event that they were looking at was the Democratic National Convention, Mm -hmm. another huge event. And they launched a new website in line with the 2008 DNC. Mm -hmm. And they got 80 bookings out of it.
1: You know, is a little bit of an improvement. Yeah. And then they had a
2: crazy marketing idea.
1: They did. They bought a bunch of really cheap cereal. Mm Mm-hmm. And they had a friend print up a bunch of cereal boxes. Uh Uh-huh. And these cereal boxes were filled with the really cheap cereal, but the boxes themselves said Obama O's and "Cap McCain's. Yeah. To kind of uh, play to the the people who are at the DNC. And then they put their company info on it as well. And then a number because these were limited edition boxes. They could only afford to make— you know, so many of them.
2: Yeah. And they ended up selling them for $40 each.
1: Yes. And the crazy thing is obama owls sold out. <laughs> which <laughs> like, was
2: a prediction, I guess, for the... <laughs>
1: yeah. Yeah. Captain McCain's didn't sell out, uh, which is actually good for them. We'll get to that in a point. Um, but they raised around $30,000 um, and they put it back in the company to pay off debt. They had only made like 5K by this time, like 5000 dollars Yes.
2: So they were not making enough money to pay their Mm-mm. day-to-day living costs. So, no.
1: <laughs> so Nathan said, bye, you guys.
2: Peace, he says. Yeah. And so yeah, we're talking they're still in debt. You know, they had paid off some of it, but they were still they still had a good amount of debt going. They were not making enough revenue to pay their living costs. And remember, nope. this all started off. As a way to try and pay off rent.
1: Yes. So they were not even making enough to buy food. They were living off of leftover dry McCain cereal. Yeah. <laughs> they wouldn't even buy milk.
2: Yeah. Like, just just crunching on dry, dry, crunchy McCain.
1: I did that the other day. I made a bowl of cinnamon toast crunch in the morning and then found out we didn't have milk. And that was a sad, sad experience. It is. That's
2: Because <laughs> you've already committed. You've gone from box to bowl. Yes. And yet, yeah. And, you know... I've been there. I've tried to put the cereal back into the box and it never goes well. So these guys, they had a choice. Did they continue forward or did they try to put the cereal in the box? Well, we'll, I mean, you already know Uh because Airbnb is still a thing. But we're going to explain how that happened in just a moment. But first, let's take a quick break to thank our sponsor.
0: AI might be the most important new computer technology ever.
2: Okay, so we've got our co-founders living off of leftover marketing materials mm-hmm. and still struggling to make ends meet. What comes next?
1: All right, so, you know, they're they're still not giving up, and their friend, Michael Siebel, who they met at South by Southwest, Southwest uh, from Justin TV, said, you guys should join the Y Combinator.
2: Yeah, that's the incubator company that helps startups. Yes. And it typically connects the entrepreneurs who have founded a business with potential investors. Yes,
1: and uh, he even went as far as to call it Paul Graham, the founder of the Y Combinator, to have him extend the deadline for them to apply because it had just passed. Right. But Brian and Joe didn't really want to because they had some customers and they had already launched four or five times, but they did. They
2: did. And good old reliable Nathan comes back out to join them for the, the big pitch. pitch.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And their interview did not go super well. Yeah. Um, <laughs> And and in fact, Joe wanted to pack some of their Captain McCain's with him. And the guys were like, no, don't do that. You've just got to give your pitch at Y Combinator. You just have to give your pitch. No presentations. Yeah,
2: you're not supposed to have any other materials mm-hmm. that could possibly sway somebody.
1: But he snuck it in. And when their presentation didn't go well, he gave the cereal to Paul. And Paul realized that these, these boys just don't give up.
2: And he said that if you can convince somebody to fork over $40 for some cheap cereal, maybe you can make this work.
1: Yeah, yeah. So there's another thing about Y Combinator. Once you're given an offer to join, you have to accept it right away.
2: Yeah, there's no deliberating. Mm -mm. And so they're on their way back home to San Francisco when they get that call. And they have to make the decision. Do they go with it? Or do they decide to try and strike out and keep going at it on their own?
1: Yes, and uh, they actually lost connection with the call. On the way and had to get the call back. But they did accept and they received $20,000 of seed money for joining. And then they got Nathan to rejoin the company. So the three amigos are back
2: again. And then uh, in 2009, they were still working on making, uh, you know, adjustments to Airbnb or what would become Airbnb, Mm -hmm. they had that $20,000 of seed funding, which is really not that much when you look at some of the initial seed investments in companies.
1: Yeah, but it's more than they had been making by a substantial amount.
2: They kept on looking for more investors. They kept Mm -hmm. finding a lot of closed doors in the way.
1: Yes. People kept getting hung up on the name Airbed and Breakfast,
2: which I don't blame them. Yeah. They also looked for ways to make the service more attractive, like literally look more attractive. Yes,
1: yes. Paul had told them to go and visit their clients. So the people who are posting
2: The available spaces. Yeah, yeah. available spaces. They're they're known as hosts in the Airbnb speak.
1: Yes, and he told them to go visit these hosts, take professional pictures of their homes.
2: Yeah, not just those little cell phone images that were popping up. Remember, this is also... In 2009, when the cameras on cell phones were not as good as they are today.
1: Yeah. And, and you know, get to know these people one by one, make reviews of their home, get feedback from them. So they did. They went in and they took, quote unquote, professional pictures of all these
2: uh, <laughs> Ho- homes and, and <laughs> homes rooms
1: and rooms and posted them and made everybody's profiles that they could look much better.
2: Now, this actually did have an effect. Mm -hmm. They actually saw an increase in bookings and they doubled their revenues, which sounds impressive until you know how much they were making to start with.
1: $400 a week.
2: Yeah. And that was the doubled amount. Mm -hmm. Previously, they had been making $200 $200 a week. Yes. So between three people, $400 a week not a runaway success Mm -mm. yet. No, But they were still determined to give this as hard a shot as they could. And it was in March of 2009 that they finally changed that name of Air Bed and Breakfast to Airbnb. And that helped a little bit. Mm -hmm. And then they also started to include the ability to do vacation rentals through airbnb
1: yes whole apartments and houses and the like and then in april 2009 these changes really paid off because they got an investor in sequoia capital who gave them six hundred thousand dollars of startup money
2: right and finally they were able to really push for a a good startup. There was also another thing that happened around mm-hmm. then, the recession that had hit, the economic recession was starting to finally kind of, we were coming out of that. Yes. So that helped them as well. You had people who suddenly felt like they could afford to go on trips.
1: Yes. And they had a cheaper way to do so. Yeah.
2: So the thing to remember about Airbnb, the thing that the value proposition, right? Because you sit there and you think about the, the service that Airbnb actually does, because mm-hmm. you think, well, The hosts own the property, right? Mm -hmm. They're renting it out. The guests are the ones handing over money to rent that property. So where does Airbnb come in? Well, they act as the platform for the hosts and they elevate that property so that more people can see it. Mm -hmm. And that's where the real value is, because obviously if you wanted to just put up a room for rent and you were doing it in some either like local papers or... Craigslist or some other uh, service, it might be hard to discover your property. Yeah. So, this was something that once it caught on, people really saw the value. So, as a host, it was valuable because more people saw the potential rental property. Mm-hmm. As a customer, as a traveler, it was valuable because now you suddenly saw what your options were in the city you were traveling to and you suddenly could say, all right, well, we don't have to stay in a hotel. There's this house and it's really close to the places we want to go to and it's cheaper. Let's yeah. stay there instead.
1: Yeah, Um. and this is good because it meant that Brian and Joe and Nathan could now pay their own living expenses.
2: So 2010 comes around and the company is... On the rise, it's it's now getting more widespread adoption. Mm-hmm. Helped in no small part by the fact that they were able to get an app in the iPhone App Store, mm-hmm. uh, which was pretty brand new in 2010. Like the, the brand, the App Store, I think, launched in 2008, late 2008. So this was not too long after the uh, mm-hmm. apps were first available.
1: Yes, and then in 2011, they hit one million nights booked. Not bad. No, and they were in 89 countries, which is also not bad.
2: They went back to South by Southwest. Yes, where they won the Breakout Mobile App Award. And they also were able to land more investment money. And it was this time a princely sum indeed. Before it was $600,000. This time, $112 million. Which bumped their value to $1 billion approximately. A billion-dollar company. Mm -hmm. This, to me is one of the most phenomenal stories I've heard. You know, we talk in business about the concept of the unicorn. That's the startup, the billion-dollar startup. Yes. You know, it took a couple of years, but when you, again, when you go to barely able to stay out of debt to a billion dollar company in that short amount of time. It is a phenomenal story.
1: Yeah, yeah, then you're not necessarily a make-believe unicorn, you're a narwhal.
2: Yeah, and <laughs> in, and in May 2011, Airbnb got a celebrity investor. That's when actor Ashton Kutcher would invest what was called a significant amount. <laughs> of money in the company and was named a strategic advisor. Uh, Not many people realize this, but Kutcher is known for his investments in the Mm -hmm. business world. He's actually, uh, from what I understand, not just business savvy, but very tech savvy as Mm -hmm. well. And he saw the value in this and he decided to also invest at this time.
1: Yes. And then in 2012, they did something really good for the people who host on their site. Yep. They implemented a host coverage policy called a host guarantee. But they did this because the people who were leasing their, their space were having issues. Some of the renters were trashing their locations. Yeah, they would
2: have like – they would rent out an Airbnb and then throw a wild party in there.
1: Yeah, yeah. Or in some cases, use it for a brothel. Um, yeah, there were
2: <laughs> questionable uses. Yes. And uh, Airbnb, in, a, in an effort to try and make sure – That it was heading off any potential lawsuits or liability issues uh, creates this policy, which is now essentially an insurance policy of uh, like a million dollar insurance policy to Mm -hmm. protect the property of homeowners and hosts. Although there are a lot of qualifiers on -hmm. that policy. So it's not like it's carte blanche no i know it's cash art and pets are not covered
1: yeah and and common areas are not covered
2: so it's not like it's you know you, you find a scratch on a table and suddenly you get yes. a million dollars and
1: and normal wear and tear is not covered and they do encourage you to try to work it out with the person who leases your space mm-hmm. first um but they also instituted 24 7 hour support logistic teams compliance teams and local area teams and this is because They didn't really have a company structure. Yeah. They kind of just did everything as they could themselves. And then when they couldn't anymore, they'd hire more people in. But there wasn't. Great communication or plans yeah. or this is
2: what this is sometimes what happens when you've got like a small group of people who come up with an idea and then it grows exponentially very quickly. Like mm-hmm. you, you might have an idea that's easy to launch but difficult to maintain once it gets up to a certain scale. So they began to invest in the business and start to build out teams for leadership in order to actually Uh, be good stewards of the business and help it grow in a way that was sustainable.
1: Yes. Um, And then also in 2012, they added wish lists for places you want to stay. So if you're looking around on Airbnb and hopping around, you can see, oh, there's this really cool place that I want to go and put it on your wish list Mm -hmm. um, to go in the future. And they helped with Hurricane Sandy. They uh, worked with the state of New York to provide a disaster relief tool where people could basically give their space for free to people who are escaping the hurricane. Yeah,
2: saying, I have space available if you Mm -hmm. need a place to stay. Which happened
1: this year with Hurricane Florence as well.
2: Yeah, we got a little bit more to talk about with Airbnb, but we'll do that right after we come back from this break for our sponsor.
3: Picasso knows your vacation home is your best home. It's the place that brings family and friends together. It's where you're the best version of yourself. With Picasso, you can stop saying someday and start building family traditions today in a vacation home you own and revisit time after time. Visit Picasso.com today to see thousands of luxury vacation home listings. That's P-A-C-A-S-O dot Asking the right questions can greatly impact your future, especially when it comes to your finances. So if you're looking for a financial advisor you can trust, certified financial planner professionals are committed to acting in your best interest. That's why it's got to be a CFP. Find your CFP professional at letsmakeaplan.org.
1: Okay, so they're starting to come across some problems as their business grows, As all businesses do, growing pains. Um, Mm -hmm. And now they start running into this new problem. And it's one that they're still struggling with today. They start coming against rental regulations. Cities and states and countries were having issues with people renting out their personal homes and apartments. Right. Because it was conflicting with rental laws in that area and hotel laws. Um, and some hosts were even getting evicted for using their residences as Airbnb destinations.
2: Yeah. So, y- you know, you also had established industries like the hospitality industry in various cities can be very, very powerful. And there are regulations there for a reason. They're there to protect people from predatory business mm-hmm. practices. It's it's the reason that the regulations are there are because without them there, people can get harmed in some way, whether it's financially, physically, whatever it may be. And Airbnb was appearing to sidestep that. And some people were taking advantage of it. So, for example, if I happen to own a building that's Mm -hmm. filled with apartments and I'm collecting $2,000 per apartment per month, but I could rent out each of those rooms for 200 bucks a night then suddenly, economically, it makes way more sense for me to clear out that building and operate it as a hotel. A, a hotel, essentially, using Airbnb as my front end. Because even after they take their cut, I'm still going to make more money than I would as a landlord. Mm-hmm. And that was a big fear was that there were landlords who were doing a, something similar. Maybe it's not a full apartment building maybe it's a, a duplex, a house that has multiple uh, apartments built into it. And that became a big concern. And hotels were saying, hey, this isn't fair. They're They're not held to the same regulations that we are. They're undercutting our business. We have to still adhere to the regulations and they're doing the same thing we're doing. It's just that they don't have to play by the same rules.
1: Yeah, and they're also saying, hey, they're cutting into your tax money because they're not paying taxes on this.
2: Yeah, so this this is also something that we see in general in the sharing mm-hmm. economy as well. Like we've seen this with Uber and Lyft and, and taxis. taxis. Yeah, Yeah. and limo, limousine companies mm-hmm. as well. So we're still seeing that kind of shake out. And, and this is a really complicated issue. It is. Because it's not like there's a blanket response for every incident. Mm-hmm. Every city is different. Countries are different.
1: Yeah, some some city, states, and countries welcome Airbnb and others say, oh, please no, you're hurting our economy. Um. Yeah.
2: And I think Airbnb is a very valuable service. Mm-hmm. I can also see the point of view of some of the critics. Not all the critics yes. are... Regulatory agencies. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it's people who live in certain neighborhoods. Yeah, right?
1: they're saying that it's gentrifying their neighborhood, or taking up all their parking, or is just too loud.
2: Yeah, or you know, they that, don't know who's living next to them, and, and things are driving up the price Prices. of living in yeah. some areas, and that that which goes in with your gentrification that you were mm-hmm. saying, like it's you know we've seen that happen here in Atlanta quite a bit, where we've seen whole neighborhoods that get transformed to the point where the people who are living there can't afford to live there Mm -hmm. anymore. And uh, and while there are benefits to gentrification, you have to look at all the consequences, not just the good ones.
1: Yeah, Um, they've started some worldwide home sharing clubs so that the people who are sharing their homes and the people in the community can get involved in and help find these solutions. Mm -hmm. They've also put into their company fees to collect hotel taxes in the in the cities like San Francisco and Portland where that is required. So that's kind of currently where they are. Last year, they're up to 3 million rentals worldwide in 191 countries and 81,000 cities.
2: So the story I would say here is that you had some people who had a good idea. They didn't know exactly how to implement it so that it would have the most effective impact, but they stuck with it, Mm -hmm. even in the face of destitution and starvation. (laughs) Well... I'm glad we were able to cover this. I look forward to revisiting it perhaps in the future. Maybe we'll see another brink moment when the company is a couple of years older. I always like to you know, leave our options open just mm-hmm. in case there's something that develops after we record this. Sadly, yes. the world does not stop after we record an episode. No, uh, no. We're going to work on that. But until <laughs> next time, I have been Jonathan Strickland. And
1: I've been Ariel Caston. Bye.
2: If you would like to learn more about what we've talked about, as well as keep track of all of our episodes, make sure you visit our website at thebrinkpodcast.show.
1: Or you can email us at feedback at